So, Jonathan, do your intro. <laughs> okay. Welcome, everyone who's listening slash watching to this for the very first time. Um, my name is Jonathan. I'm here with Alex and Jerome, as you can see, and we are behind the Usher Station. Um, today, you know, we're in quarantine right now, so that means we have a lot of time on our hands. So, we figured that we would watch um, the Netflix show that everyone is talking about. For some reason. Really quick, I'm not in quarantine. I have an essential job, so my butt is out there all the time. You guys. I mean, I did just apply for a job that I might get, so I might have, that is an essential job, so who knows, maybe then, you know. <laughs> You're out all the time. It's great, because then everybody's just looking at you like, why are you outside? Until I wear a mask and they're like, oh, you must have to work at a location or something. It's really, people just look at me suspiciously when I'm out and about and I'm like, no, I'm leaving work. I'm going to work. Or I just want a snack. <laughs> Pretty much most of the time. I just want a snack. I'm like, leave me alone. Don't judge me. Regardless, everyone is talking about this show and it's called Tiger King. And it's on Netflix. It's a seven part documentary or seven episodes. Um, we binge them over the weekend so we could be prepared for this episode and be able to talk about it with you guys. Um, so I guess first, initial reactions after watching this madness of this thing we call television. Let's do it. try doing it without giving any spoilers. So first reactions, what was, what did you think? Uh, Jerome, since you actually watched it before us. Um initially i thought it was uh, well the first episode does a great job of like laying the groundwork of like everything you're going to cover um which i think as a docuseries that's really good that they do that and they establish like hey we're going to get into this stuff we're going to get into that stuff like they give a pretty good generic intro and then uh it ended off on this really solid cliffhanger that's like because they they do a lot of back and forth between the present and the past um, at least as far as an interview with Joe Exotic uh, from present time, you'll hear him voice over stuff as they're telling you stuff about the past. So, and I won't spoil what the present is in case people watching we'll this. We'll get into spoilers a little we'll bit later. get into it later, but uh, for now, you. I'm just going to bury the lead until uh, we get there. But uh, for the most part, it's it's a series that really dives into, uh, it does a great job of establishing, we're going to get into a lot of crazy stuff. And so when I first saw that episode, I was like, all right, this seems like something I could probably, you know, take my time with and, and watch a few episodes here and there. Um, we'll probably, and we've got a clear bad guy and a clear good good guy um, in this scenario. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. And then the second episode just puts you in a whole different other headspace where you're like, what is this show? And it, it, that, that had me hooked after that. I was like, okay, I got to find out what the next episode is. And then after watching the third episode, I was like, I got to find out what the next episode is. And so I just kept watching it like that throughout. And I made it through the whole show in a morning. <laughs> I feel like that's what a lot of people's reaction was. That like, I don't really understand. I need to see the next episode. But wait a minute. And I need to go on. I'm going to like disagree with you. For the first episode, my initial reaction was I absolutely hate everybody there. <laughs> For me, there was no clear-cut good guy, no clear-cut bad guy. I was like, what in the hell is going on down there? And then when they're like, it's Florida, I'm like, oh, okay. But, like, for me, it was straight up, I genuinely don't like anybody there. There's only 
like I'm a, not a big supporter of zoos and stuff like that because I believe animals are free. Some are necessary, absolutely. Like the San Diego Zoo, they do amazing jobs with animals and those animals can't be released back into the wild. They do spay them so they don't uh, breed again in captivity, which is great. When I found out they were doing a lot of breeding, I was like, oh, no, no, this is even worse. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a clear cut, like, no, these are just all genuinely awful people. There's <laughs> a thing I, I, I feel like there's no good person. And then as the episodes kept going on, especially that third one about Carol, was it the third? Yeah. yeah. Carol, Carol Alice, like, what in the hell? Why did this suddenly turn into a novella? <laughs> and I was like, with, you know, I thought this was supposed to be about, like, how they're treating tigers and this crazy eccentric guy. All of a sudden, it's like, nope, everybody has a darker and darker past. And it's like, mm, that's like, uh, I just start. I was going to say, uh, sorry, Jonathan, I know you want to get, uh, get, get your, we want to get your initial thoughts too. But I was going to say, for those who are watching and or listening and who don't know what the Tiger King is by some miracle, um, <laughs> It is a uh, Netflix documentary series about, well, initially, if you go by the marketing, you would think it's about uh, this uh, man who had essentially an off-road addict, who's this very eccentric character, who he is a uh, Oklahoma-born cowboy slash- uh, Would you say uh, cowboy? Uh, I think uh, trash. Yeah, more more redneck. Uh, redneck, uh, um Get a homosexual, um, eccentric, polygamist. Character. Yeah, polygamist. polygamist too. Like, there's just there's so many words to describe he this man. Just and, keeps adding on. And uh, you would think initially the docu series really focuses around him, uh, but it is also about other people in his line of work, and other people, and also the opposing side of that. In one person in particular, named uh, by the name of Carol Draskin. Draskin. Um, Baskin, thank you, uh, Carol Baskin, and their feud going forward uh, into present day. Because this documentary, at first I wasn't sure how long they filmed this documentary until I realized it was like, it had been years. Like they had been filming this since like maybe 2014, 2016, whatever the case may be. Yeah, it was a surprisingly long time they had stretched this over. Mm-hmm. But, um, Jonathan, what was, your, what was your initial thought? Like just after the first couple episodes? So for me, I had seen everyone talking about it. You know, everybody was freaking out about it. I had seen, like, I think Cardi B tweeted about it. She was like, free Joe. So that was my uh, first initial, like, introduction to it. And then when I started watching it, I kind of, you know, because I had seen all that hype, people seemed to be, I had seen a couple tweets and, and social media posts about, like, kind of framing it that Carol was the bad guy and then Joe was the good guy who, you know, needed to be avenged. Um, So in my mind, I had kind of like already taken that position going into the show. But then once I started watching it, it was like, all of these people, what is up? Like these, (laughs) it seems like every 15 minutes you get introduced to a new level of like a new character <laughs> a new insanity and then it's like how i thought this couldn't go any further and uh each episode you know focusing on a different story and how this group of people factors into the grand scheme of things um it's it's 
we were saying yesterday how you you can't write this like you can't write this story and i think even if you did write a movie version about this and you presented it as you'd be like, kicked oh, out the door people would be like you're crazy yeah and you, no like, people would be like oh this is not there's no way this is true like you just made this up and nobody's gonna believe it so basically my thoughts on on the entire show was that uh, it's very uh, wild and unpredictable so spoilers ahead now. We're getting into that if you haven't seen it. Well, I wanted, to get, one, I wanted to just get you guys' initial, like, scores. Like, what do uh, what you thought about the docuseries? Like, did you think it was a good docuseries? Like, you, despite what you think about the people in the series and the subject matter, do you think it was a good documentary? Like, it was, it was good at relaying the information, telling the story very well, um, that sort of thing. I think it was good. Um, Netflix, I don't know if... Um, they produced uh, this documentary for Netflix or Netflix got involved after the fact? I don't know because- I think because... they got involved after the fact because this was before Netflix was really making their own content. But they did, yeah, and it's it's one of those things, but at the same time they said, I think on the promotional material, they said it was from, I don't know if they meant from the studio that brought you fire, like the other Netflix documentary about the Which fire festival. I love that one. That one was so, so informative mm-hmm. and that one was, that, that one was insane too. So I'm not sure if that was if they what they meant by that was because it was Netflix it's technically the same studio that brought you fire or if it was the same people and they just so happened to like like they were editing like this documentary because clearly it was filmed at a different time period and fire was like something they did more recently so they released that first I'm not sure um, but it just seemed like if uh, either way, I'm not sure if maybe Netflix was involved or not involved. I have to look it up. Mm-hmm. Well, e- either way, I Netflix has a way, the documentaries that they do release, um, the content, they have a way of like dramatizing it in a particular way. Uh, like some of the documentaries, they, they make you... They like they like put you into um, the place of what wherever the documentary is taking place, and they make it seem like um, they're kind of like fearful in a way. And I think that's what interests me about it is because like some of these documentaries that I watched, I'm like, okay, now I don't ever. And I I, I and I know this isn't this documentary isn't a representative of like Florida or Oklahoma as a whole, but I'm like, okay, of course, yeah. I, I'm like, okay, I, I don't think I want to go to Oklahoma anytime soon. <laughs> I've been to Oklahoma. Hey. <laughs> but but that's how, like, they, they kind of put you in it so that you don't want to experience it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think they're really good at picking. So, like, the world right now is very interested in, like, serial killers making murders and stuff like that. And they find people who aren't technically murders. But they have that same manipulation, the same charisma, basically, as them, that as, like, cult leaders, as murderers, serial killers, and all that. And they find people like that, like the Tiger King, like Carol Baskin, Mm -hmm. and like the people who did the fire uh, festival. And, you know, they're able to showcase them and be like, hey, it's not just serial killers. These are people in your own backyard who are manipulating you in different ways. Like the Tiger King, yeah, at the end, you kind of root for him, but at the, but he is still somebody who's abusing animals, keeping them in cages. Carol Baskin, she can, yeah, go all she wants about it being a sanctuary. 
But again, she's keeping animals in cages. And unless they're, it's justified by the fact that they, some can't be in the wild. You know, they've been stunted. They don't have the skills anymore, stuff like that. But, you know, she's getting all these volunteers and barely can acknowledge them until she said like their five year mark. She's like, I don't even recognize them until their five years and being like, oh, I should finally get, you know, know who you are. It's like, well, that's that's getting yeah. into some spoiler territory. Well, uh, it's like, it's still well, that it's that that I think Netflix is really good at finding yeah. these people that we can get interested in because they're manipulative and charismatic, just like all the other crime shows. But they're portraying it in such a different way where you're like, this is fascinating. This is insane. So you enjoyed the the doc- like as a documentary, you thought yes. it was like a good a good was, telling of the of the events and a great way of like revealing them as as who they are as people. Yeah, it kept things very informative. And I do like how they put in like personal shots. Like, uh, well, spoiler, uh, when they're talking about Carol's husband, the song Joe King wrote about it. Here, kitty, kitty. Mm. Like, I don't like him, but I absolutely love that video. And I like that song. (laughs) And I shouldn't. It's awful. And he's awful. But like, I like the song. The fact that they got a woman who looked exactly like her. I thought it was her first. Yeah. I was like, dang, she looks exactly like her. I was like, wow, how did you get her to do this? But then it's like, oh, it's not to look like. I was like, oh, wow. He really looked for somebody like her. Yeah. Um, I, I would say I thought it was a really uh, decent docuseries. I did think um, some of the... I think my only issues with it as a series has less to do with like the information and more just how like some of the cinematography was a little um, like hammy. It's like your stereotypical cinematography stuff when it comes to the interviews, like here's this person walking away in slow-mo, aren't they epic? Um, and then also near the end of the series, uh, they, there are a couple of times they do interviews without the person's knowledge where they just have a secret hidden like button cam or whatever i don't know how i feel about that as a because it's one thing if you're like an informant for like the police or something like that it's a different thing if you're a documentarian you know because now you're just exploiting someone's words to just always get the shot but i don't know i mean uh, that's I that's think how they have to keep a documentary interesting sometimes because i do like watching documentaries but they do get boring from time to time um and so having that drama, having that speculation, having that novella style where it's like, oh, you're peeking into a private conversation. I think that's what's drawing a lot of people in. You know, you're seeing the self-destructiveness of these people's lives. Probably. It's just for me, it's like those things where, where it's technically, because the way they leave off this documentary leaves it off for not only the, there maybe be a second season if they like film for another like two, three years, um, these same people and see what happens, but also... Um, is just that like you you're dealing with a lot of criminal cases that are kind of still open like some of them are still being investigated and so you could record something that might not be admissible in court because it's not you know they're they're recording it in this documentary and for all you know they could could be doing more damage than good by revealing that that um conversation but i don't know i mean we don't know what was on the cutting room floor so maybe there's more stuff and said in conversations that just you know ended up being cut so that's true overall it was a good documentary uh i enjoyed it i think 
Um, and I think it, it, it's a great thing to binge right now when you're just sitting at home like that gopher on your pencil. It is a great form of entertainment. <laughs> it's a what? It's a bear. Oh. <laughs> um, but uh, to get into spoil, I, uh, I think we should run just to focus it up a little bit and that way we can uh, get into each topic without feeling like we're rambling over each other. I have the episode list up right now. So I would think I wanted to break it down episode by episode if that's well i was i was gonna suggest you know maybe that we um kind of work our way back so like basically from what we saw at the end um and my question for you guys that i was gonna ask was um so we saw that obviously joe is currently locked up yeah joe exotics locked up like roxanne Yes. Bars. Good lord. <laughs> and then obviously we saw a whole bunch of people who were involved with him and the things that he did. Um, do you think any of those other people deserve to be in jail? And if so, who and why? Doc, absolutely, Doc. Well, Doc Antle didn't have anything to do with. Well, he didn't have anything stuff, to do with that but, stuff, but in general. He was manipulative, like, he's basically grooming women, and it's just, he definitely needs to be in jail for everything he's done. Um, And also, there's rumors that, you know, that poor girl who used to work there um, at Doc Antle's um, estate. uh, The one who was interviewed? Yeah, she makes it, implies that there might, that some of the tigers might be also being euthanized at Doc Antle's place as well, yeah. unrightfully so, because not sick or anything. It's just they're not cute enough to be pet anymore. So, right, and that's where they show that um, chart where they're like, "Oh, here's the time frame of when the animals are acceptable to be around human, but then here's their other time frame where they can reach about 900 pounds, and mm-hmm. even if they don't mean to, one swipe and they can kill a human." Well, that's the and that's the like I've always felt that way about like. I am a, I am also I'm I'm not know if I'm I'm not the type of person who's like super against zoos um as long as they are you know it is strictly an educational type of event like if it's something like uh, kind of like our zoo, our zoo for example tries to only holds animals from the region so it's not like they're trying to grab although I think they do have a jaguar but I'm not sure I can't remember because I've only been once and we only and it was a school trip. So we were just looking at specifically animals we were studying in class. Um, But they do have a lot of animals from the region and they're in their zoo. And that's really interesting. And um, and it's all strictly for educational purposes. So you can learn about sloth bears and otters like uh, sea otters specifically Um, in South Carolina, where I'm from. We have river otters in our zoo or the aquarium, actually. Um, But you can learn about. Uh, but you can learn about river otters that live in the region. So it's like, from an educational standpoint, I uh, agree with zoos, but I don't agree with what these people are doing, where it's like, you're just exploiting animals for the sake of uh, an Instagram picture, more or less. Yeah. You know? Which is absolute, it's the exploitation of them. I never liked zoos. And the only thing I ever liked when school trips were like going to the zoos, I liked the reptile cage. <laughs> I used to love seeing the reptiles and the snakes because I knew my mom would never let me get one and I don't have that to ever have an exotic animal I mean I like look what I have 
So like, <laughs> I don't have to, I have a lazy cat who needs my attention maybe 5% of the day. So I know exotic animals would need a lot more, but I, that's the only thing I ever liked about zoos. I was never a big fan of zoos. I don't like aquariums that much either for that exact same reason. Although I did learn the one in Seattle is um, very educational and they do help, um, you know, mm. take care of fish that get sick. And there's- I mean, South Carolina Zoo takes care of sea, uh, takes care, takes care of sea turtles. Um, yeah. that Cause we're there's right next to the education. Yeah. And the like study of the fish. They're, they're not just like, hey, look at the fish, like SeaWorld. SeaWorld, I hate. SeaWorld, I always hate it. Yeah. I mean, and it and it's so like for me, I think uh, I think Doc Antle should be in jail for that stuff. Um, but uh, as far as people directly involved with the Joe Exotic case specifically, um, I think that it is strange that uh, I think his name was Alan, the guy who was working uh, for Jeff Lowe. I'm surprised he didn't still get come up on a few charges, even if they were minor. Um, just a few charges for even taking the money, even if he, even if he didn't give him the full amount, because his argument was, well, he gave me three thousand, but he said it was going to be five. You took any amount of money to kill somebody. That doesn't it doesn't matter. <laughs> like you, that's that's still. And I I don't know if that's I'm sure that's um, legally that's probably not a crime if you don't do it, but because that's then that's on the person. Well, that they that's just still really premeditated the murder money. or premeditated, yeah, murder. Like you're thinking about it. But I guess if he made no verbal threat and he did not technically get paid the amount he had agreed upon, then yeah, I could see that. I could see the case in court getting a little wobbly. Mm -hmm. And usually when they're trying to catch the big fish, like Joe King, um, they'll, they'll probably give up the smaller ones because if that doesn't hold in court well he got you know off in the court so why is joe king still being prosecuted or joe whatever is it exotic. Joe exotic joe exotic still being in court if the person he hired to kill is not in court you know so it's like that mm -hmm. thing um i think also stronger yeah and i think also jeff lowe um they say that he uh was like i mean they you know they show him doing the google maps thing um, but again, it's another thing where it's like he said, uh, she said, and it's it's and it's also more importantly that from a legal standpoint, Jeff Lowe, uh, Joe Exotic is saying, oh, Jeff Lowe was helping me to like uh, also helping me to find Carol and so that we could kill her or whatever. But it's like, yeah, but Jeff Lowe doesn't have years of vi online videos threatening this person like jeff jeff lowe doesn't have a video of you blowing up a blow-up doll and shooting it with a gun in the head or flying over uh carol's property and saying this would be a great way to drop grenades right like you have years and you have uh, at least a solid decade of you threatening this person so to a jury yeah it looks like okay i can believe that he would then just actually do it what about you jonathan do you think anybody else besides Joe belongs in jail? For me, I pretty much agree with all of you guys. I think that Joe basically, you know, he definitely did wrong. He was definitely wrong in the things that he did. Um, but he kind of took the fall for all of the people who were around him and all of the people who were involved in the things that he was doing. Obviously, we don't know the specifics of everything that was, you know, the 
um, documentary presented things in a way that they want to have us believe or, or, or questions that they want us to ask ourselves. But the truth of the matter is we don't know every single aspect of every single thing that went on. Even they don't know every single aspect of every single thing that went on. So based on my judgment, I, I definitely um, think that anyone who was involved in his circle, um, who was even thought of as a suspect at that point, I think they definitely had something to do with it and should, should probably pay something, should pay some sort of price. That being said, do you care. think he deserved, because everyone's on this train about free Joe Exotic, he was framed, and I'm like, he wasn't framed for the animal. Like, even if you want to say he was framed for threatening to murder Carol Baskin, I love that even the documentary was transparent that that wouldn't hold up in court, and Joe Exotic's not in jail for, uh, I'm sure maybe they, like, even though they said guilty, the reality is, because uh, he was, you know, they were talking 79 years, he only got 22, and I think that's because that like the pre the murder uh the pay for murder um charge doesn't hold up as strong as the animal breeding charge which we know for a fact he does and have solid evidence of that most definitely so that he's guilty of and you can't and even the documentary is like showing tons of footage of him breeding baby tigers like so what what do you want us to free him for He's guilty of something. Right. That is true. Which I always think is funny when people are on that whole free blah, blah, blah. Like, no, usually when they are arrested, a good amount of time, there is something to be, you know, accounted for. Mm -hmm. Especially somebody like this where, yeah, minus the killing, he does have years of animal abuse. And like poor living conditions for his workers too. I thought it was great. That's like one of the things I did like about him was that he had hired people right out of jail. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's fantastic. But then they I, showed the living conditions and they were living yeah. in these bug infested trailers, no air conditioning, you know, they were eating expired meat. Mm-hmm. Like that's- From Walmart. From Walmart. That's <laughs> one, you know, human abuse. There's animal abuse. There's poor working conditions, you know, all this other stuff, paying their paying their employees under minimum wage. They're only making like a hundred dollars a week. Right. I mean, and it's, you know, it's it's one of those things where especially when I'm thinking about also because for me, it's like here you have uh Joe Exotic, who like on paper, it's like, oh, he's just an American guy trying to run his business. But he hires people who he knows for a fact have nowhere else to go. So they're more or less subservient to him because what else are they, where else are they going to work considering most of them are, um, are former felons or people just, you know, down on their luck. And then, and then he puts them in living, poor living conditions. They, but where else are they going to go? So they put up with it. On the other hand, you have Carol Baskin who's like, I rescue tigers. But at the same time, you're exploiting these animals just as badly as Joe Exotic is because, A, you have them in cages as well, and, B, you bring other people in to do basically the same thing. The only difference is you don't have them play with the tigers. Mm-hmm. That's realistically the only difference. Yeah, she was what is called interns and volunteers, but it's like, again, you're not acknowledging them, and you still have groups and tours and a gift store and all this other you know, crap that you're using – she was making money off of it. She was like, they, they were two sides of the same coin. 
but they basically made money and they mentioned this in the documentary they made money off of each other so it was beneficial for them to have this feud it was financially beneficial for them to have this feud she um wasn't she didn't have the moral high ground because she was basically doing the same thing at one point they even mentioned that she was having the animals in worse conditions than joe was um but she was able to uh have these volunteers come onto her site for free so that's that's even even better than than uh the deal that that joe was made because he had to pay his employees um and she was also benefiting so greatly financially off of this i think it to me it kind of reminded me of like you guys know who tommy laren is no vaguely okay well she she's basically a um a political commentator and she has these like super 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 radical views let me guess uh, she's blonde and white yeah. <laughs> and probably weighs like 90 pounds. Yes. Um, to me, that rem- it reminded me kind of of that where you're exploiting kind of, you're exploiting and enhancing your views in order to make money because you know that people thrive off of that. You know that people will listen if you make these extreme views or if you um, battle um people who are on the opposite side of you. So that that kind of that's kind of what that reminded me of. She was the one who went on the Daily Show and said, what did the KKK ever do? Yeah, right? exactly. yeah okay, I know who she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's one of them where it's just like, you're just yelling and I don't think you even know what you're yelling about anymore. Exactly, but, um, but she's making money off of it, so. Yeah, she's going making money just off of yelling basically. And I don't think she believes half the things she does because she just goes, says it, and then when somebody calls her out, she's like, well, I don't, like when, um, oh, what is his name? What is the, the host from The Daily Show? Oh, uh, John Daly? No. Well, the original. Trevor, Trevor Noah. Noah? Trevor Noah, that's who she was talking to. And he's like, okay, then what is the great way to protest? And she's like, well, you should, he's like, no, no, I'm asking you, how should we protest? And she's like, I don't know. So it's like, you, she was literally just mimicking what every, radical conservative was saying but of course she didn't have an answer when called on it she's exactly. like i don't know it was just she was repeating um but going back to what you said about uh carol baskin profiting off of all this uh there was a part in the documentary where she said oh we were proud sending out like five emails a day you know which showing how small her following was and she was able to build and she admits to it too she built on social media she was sending out like hundreds and hundreds of um, thousands and thousands of emails after she basically created a website calling for, you know, Joe Exotics hanging and stuff like that. So she openly admitted too that like, oh yeah, once I started creating this website, once I started going after him, you know, my following got bigger and bigger. And like, even he says, he's like, yeah, her social media, you know, she got on the first platform when it was first created, like with Facebook and all that. And she built that on all her like hate videos towards him. And was like, oh, this is the exploitation. This is what you should do. It's right. And, you know, it wasn't really caring about the animals or showing like, this is what my sanctuary is doing. This is what I'm doing that's different. It was like, oh, he's the monster. 
Right. And the thing is, is that um, that's uh, that was one thing because, you know, as that, that's what I meant by there is just uh, when that my first initial impression was that there's a good guy and a bad guy in that from a filmmaking standpoint, they they at first established like, hey, there's Joe Exotic, who's this guy who, yeah, he's an eccentric character. You get to know him. He is a guy who's part of the um Technically, he's part of the LGBT. Well, not even technically. He just is a part of the he LGBT is, is community. Um, he's a guy who's a local business owner. He bu- he built his stuff up from scratch. Out, they don't show you how he started getting the tigers, but nonetheless, you know, he has them. And uh, and he and at first, it makes it seem like he like well, yeah, his business is uh, uh, um, profiting off of exploiting animals. He like it shows it as if he does love the tigers himself. And then on the opposite side, you see you have the quote unquote good guy of Carol Baskin, who's this person who's trying to rescue the tigers. And it's like, she's the, she's the person taking them to a new place um, that where they'll be safer and they won't be exploited. But just as the documentary unfolds, you find out more about Joe Exotic's breeding, uh, Carol Baskin, um, essentially having her own basically uh, like roadside zoo and the suspicion that she might have killed her husband, uh, which is a case that's still open to this day. <laughs> and that was years I mean, ago. Who doesn't have a crime case open in their family? I don't know. Well, I don't know. That might not be true. I mean, I shouldn't say that because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I think the one I'm thinking about in my family, I think it's closed. Um, but then, and then on top of that, you have these third party people, which by the way, as a person from South Carolina, you know, born and raised Charleston for 19 years, and I have been to Myrtle Beach. I was upset to find out about Doc Ant- I Now granted, I've never been to Doc Antle's uh, zoo before. So this was the first time I've ever hearing about it um, being in Myrtle Beach, but uh, being from there, I was like, how dare you embarrass? We already have embarrassments to this state. And you already yeah. going to make it worse. <laughs> I think um, another thing about this documentary, because the first thing I thought about is I really now do not trust white people. <laughs> and I think, I think it's interesting because a lot of the things I've seen is white people uh, rallying against Joe. Or at least on my social media. I can't say this for all, and I don't know how. I've seen to I've seen a mix. I've seen some people for Joe Exotic and being like free Joe. I've seen other people on the other side. They're like, no, like for the breeding, Joe needs to be in jail. So it's a little. I've seen a toss up. Well, there. that's why I think it's a little weird because I won't lie. If a movie came out, or if a documentary came out like this, um, kind of with a Spanish person person of color, I'd be like, oh, Jesus Christ, why are they showing this? They're making us look bad. But, like, I've noticed white people not doing that. They seem to be getting really excited and really into this. And I find that actually super strange. To turn this on to a really serious stuff, why do white people like this? It's like, no, it's kind of making you all look like hicks. And I'm kind of now suspicious of white people. Like, do you guys want to own? It's kind of creating a stereotype for me. I won't lie. Now I'm thinking every white person wants to own like a tiger now. I think it, me well, do you mean the people in the movie or people watching? No, I mean everybody I've seen on social media, every white person. I'm worried now they're going to go out and buy a tiger. or try. I think it's people interested in this docuseries less so about the, because it's true, it, even though it's not marketed as a true crime, well, it is a true crime series and like no, more think, or less. Think and that's, about this. that's intriguing. For 
for Disney Ratatouille, sales for rats shot up 50%. Uh, Nemo, the clownfish, almost went extinct, you know? So that's why I'm kind of worried about this documentary is due to the fact that, like, what if people start trying to buy tigers? Because there are people that can. There are people that can sadly afford it and find a way to purchase these creatures. And now they're kind of given to locations of people who do sell them, like dogs or like those other ones. And it's like, oh, crap, now there's going to be even more tigers sold because they made it look so in a hillbilly way, like, fascinating to own a tiger or glamorous like they did with ratatouille and they they did with nemo i think the difference is though in here it's like they show the exploitation of it in that you have like in and they describe it as exploitation they don't describe like ratatouille and find nemo are cute like animated films that are just about those animals so for another person watching they might say like oh i want that animal because it's so cute but then like this one you see people playing with baby tigers but it also is like it's not described as look how cool it is to have a baby tiger. It's described as look at these people who are like exploiting baby like exploiting animals just to get a few more followers on their Instagram or getting I will say stuff. that everybody who had a photo with the baby tiger looked exactly like how I thought they would look. Yeah, they look like the typical uh, typical stereotypic version of Middle America. And what's crazy is though, I wonder if you, I wonder if those smile, people, do... Jonathan. But you know it's true. Can you just no, I'm listening. I'm because it's upsetting. Because I am from Middle America. I am a Midwestern girl, and the fact that now we are portrayed that way, because I'm like, oh my god, that person looks like they're probably from Ohio or some crap. I kept thinking that. I'm like, oh man, now that's the Midwestern. Well, I hated hearing the people who were like, like, there's that one person who's been to. Um, uh, I think either Doc Antles or, or Joe, Joe Exotic's place uh, a bunch of times and they were talking about how yeah I've been here like so many times you know it's just ever since I held my first baby tiger I just love coming back and I'm like that's not a good thing like you should first of all I like I the reason what got me interested like well you know I hate and like whenever I watch documentaries I always get into it because these are real people and so I always get upset if people do stupid things because I'm like this is like real life and so for me, I'm just a person where like, like for example, that poor um, woman, Kelsey Saffery, who worked for Joe Exotic and nearly got her arm ripped off. Well, she you had to end up get getting it. She did get it ripped off. It, like, well, you know. It, the skin was gone. It was still connected enough. They could have put it back on, but she chose to have it amputated. But the point is, nonetheless, this well, woman lost an arm. This woman she lost an arm. Mobility, so that's why she had it. That's true. Well, it took yeah, what it took years, yeah, to do reconstructive surgery. But it's it's one of those things where these are animals that people are not supposed to interact with. They are supposed to be in the wild, doing their thing, um, experiencing life with other wild tigers. That's where they're supposed to be. They do not belong, especially babies, don't belong in anyone's palms let alone should baby tigers be near small children because maybe they can't hurt an adult but they could definitely still scratch up your five-year-old right like okay with snowball <laughs> i i when i have to give her her pills at night i kind of hide them because she's aware now that there's a nightly routine and she hates me giving her her medicine my mom was around one time when i was doing it and i was trying to sneak up on my cat basically and my mom grabbed her but snowball knew what was coming so when my mom was holding her, she freaked out. And because of that, my mom kind of gripped harder to like hold her in place. 
Snowball went into attack mode. She tore up my mom's hand and she's only got one fang. So think about that. A small five pound, 20 year old cat made my mom bleed from like here, really deep cut. She was like really bleeding. And this was a cat who just panicked because she was getting some medicine. These tigers are not in the environment they're meant to be. And here are these bunch of strangers constantly coming over and over and not only taking photos with them, but they grab them and they pull on their fur. You know, they place their hands where, you know, tigers are like, don't touch me. Snowballs like that on some days, don't touch me. And these are like 500 pound tigers that you have now just invaded their personal space. Mm-hmm. Especially the ones who, like the like um, Carol Baskin was saying, like there's a certain age when they are, uh, you know, docile and able to be pet and played with. But and it, but like she was saying, that's how you end up having rich people be like, oh, I want a tiger, so they buy a tiger, and right. they don't think about the idea that eventually that tiger is gonna grow to be 500 pounds, 600 pounds, whatever, and then they're gonna be out of control because maybe you might catch them on the wrong day and they scratch up your face. And then now somebody, now animal control has to come and put that poor animal down, not because they're bad, but because you put them in an environment they're not used to, in a situation they're not meant to be in, only to then have that outcome. Snowball has cut my eyelid before because I have snuck up on her just getting into bed and she's been dead asleep. I woke her up and she went for my eyelid because I didn't have my glasses on. Like, again, five pound cat, I could pick her up with one hand. Think of a t if I snuck up on a tiger like that, just try to go to sleep. <laughs> my face. Sadly, though, uh, while we've been having this conversation, it made me think about, like, we've discussed more about tigers than this actual documentary does. <laughs> because it's about the drama of their, their relationship. It was a weird relationship that Jonathan had said it played off of each other. Mm -hmm. Speaking of relationships, can we just uh, first talk about... Um, you want to talk about Joe's relationships? Yeah, because, yeah, because we have to. We have to. This is the weirdest relationship ever. <laughs> but him, and then we can transition into Doc Antle because he was not innocent. And that was a different, whole different thing. Yeah, but I, I but, will have to say, well, go ahead, Jonathan. I'm sorry. Um, for Joe. So they were interviewing, um, uh, what was, what was the, the, um, first? Uh, John was his, John. I think it's John Tra and Travis. John, John and Trav. John. So when they were interviewing John, I was looking at it from the perspective that they were still together. So when I saw that, that he was his ex-husband at the end, I was like, I, that took that, me by surprise. That was, yeah. I think, I wonder if that was an error though, because there was a couple of times where they would keep switching back with the lower third. That was the other thing where I was like, oh, yeah. as a it, documentarian. It Joe's husband. Yeah, it and kept. I, Joe's ex-husband. Right, like there, because there were a I couple of times in earlier episodes that said ex-husband and then husband. So he kept switching back and forth. Oh, I didn't notice the ex-husband at all. Or maybe when they were interviewing him, they were married at the time, and then they interviewed him mm. later, and they were not married. Well, but no, because the interview's in the same spot. Oh, yeah. That doesn't so, mean they can't come back to the same spot. Well, what I'm saying is, I assume that the house he's living in currently, where they interviewed him, is the like, house he lives in with his wife. 
not the house he lived in with Joe. Joe's relationship with those two guys is very predatory to me because both of them were barely legal age mm-hmm. when he went after them. And it's like, that's not okay. Straight, gay, whatever is not okay for a man who's close to his 40s to be going after an 18-year-old. I mean, he still does that now. The man he's married to now is like so much younger than him, so much more his junior. I don't think they say how many years his junior, but um, he's there's he's super young. And he married him two months after Travis died, which also I did not see coming. I did. For some, yeah, I saw, I I like, saw it coming. I saw it coming only because they talked a lot about John, and then once they well, finally start talking about Travis, I'm like. Why is there no interview of Travis? Well, well that's probably because he's dead. I, I picked up on that. I picked up on the fact that they weren't interviewing him and it was just like all footage that they were showing of him. But I thought it was because he like he's like, I gotta get out of here. I'm not interview I'm not gonna be a part of this at all. I'm just gonna get up and leave. Like I'm not getting interviewed or anything. I thought Yeah, that- I thought that too. Like I thought maybe he's just like, you know, I'm not like once he removed himself from the situation, he removed himself. Mm-hmm. Um but clearly, that wasn't the case. No, I just assumed he was dead. Now, granted, I didn't know how he died. I assumed it was going to be like a tiger mauling or something like more normal. I didn't expect him to have killed himself. And yeah. on accident, mind you. Um, Which that, still, you know. that footage, like that, that, that brought like a chill. Like I got chill, like watching that, foot, the security camera footage, and you just see the, uh, the campaign manager, you just see his reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that poor dude. Also, I love how they have two different interview shots of the campaign manager, which is the first one when he was working with Joe, and then like the, the second one where he has like a full beard and his hair is all crazy. And I was like, dang, Joe must have, <laughs> Joe must have just made him go insane. You know, he looks rough. <laughs> there was a moment I don't know why, but the first couple episodes, I thought John was in a wheelchair, and I think the way the chair puts out and the way he's sitting so straight I'm like oh shit did like a tiger swipe his back or something I honestly thought he was in a wheelchair until I was talking to my sister about it and we were watching one of the episodes and um, she's like he's on a wheelchair I'm like oh and that's just a weird chair to me I don't know what I got like worried I'm like oh god there's gonna be a story about how he got into that chair or like something but then the Travis one got way worse for me though i thought it was because i was like uh as you know just no seeing the two men you know when they would kiss joe and stuff like that i was like are they gay because they don't see not to say that like every gay man is the same but it's just they didn't seem to have the same excitement that he did for not only being married to joe but also being uh like even being like saying that they were gay or saying that they were um because in both love of them claimed they weren't really gay. Well, they said they well, were they did later on in the documentary and I was like, see that makes more sense. That that <laughs> seems more legit. Okay, so really quick really quick, his current husband Dylan is twenty something. So that means he's about thirty years his senior, almost forty. Gross. That's predatory. Well, for me, what's creepy, like, like two things I had an issue with, because during that episode, they talk about Travis's suicide. And then what also bothered me was that, A, he took his last name, like Maldonado, after he died. And then, B, like, because he was married to two different men. So if Travis passed away 
but then two months later you get married not, not even just in a relationship just get married to a completely different person that almost feels like a very much a disrespect well he had he had like the three last name he had his original last name the sh- i can't pronounce it but the his original last name Trevogel, then, i think is how you pronounce it uh-huh yeah, yeah and, then, try that. and then uh travis's last name and hyphen the other guy's last name john's Jones. Yeah, John, but I don't remember his last name. Travis's was Mick. Uh, Maldonado was Maldonado. his last name. John's? No, Travis. Oh, Travis. But then he, and then like after, and then also what was really shady was when he invited the mom to just like to the wedding, uh-huh. basically just to be there for social media to be like, hey, Travis's mom approves, and then he's never talked to her again. Yeah. That's manipulation. That's mm-hmm. literally caging somebody off from their family. Yeah. Speaking of manipulation, let's get to <laughs> that is a good segue. <laughs> what, are, what manipulation are we talking about? Which person? They we're, are all manipulative. We're going to Doc Mantle because that is just a whole or Doc Antle. That, that's a whole Doc, other thing. He was. He ran a cult. He ran yeah. a cult. He was grooming women. Um, he forced them to wear certain clothes and to like... I hope this is what people use for R. Kelly. Because the whole time I was like, oh, snap, he's the white R. Kelly. That's who he is. <laughs> yeah, but this one still... Well, R. Kelly took a while to get his... Um... Comeuppance? Yeah, comeuppance. I was trying to think of a word. Yeah, comeuppance. He, Doc Man- Mantle? Antle. Antle. Antle? Just Antle. Like Mantle without the M. Doc is an asshole, <laughs> a predator as well, and manipulative. He's into grooming. He's run. You're right. He is running a cult. And I love when they're talking to that one guy. What is his name? Which one? The I don't blonde, know. blonde, one of the blonde Mala guys. It wasn't Doc. It was the other guy. Where they try to basically suggest it's a cult again, and he got super defensive. He started laughing, and he's like. Oh, are you saying we're a cult? You know, you have to give up basically your whole outside life. He's like, yeah, I heard it all, whatever. Like, and he just kind of walked off instead of finishing the interview in that moment in time. It's because getting called a cult is so, you know, it was, yeah, he got called a cult so much that he was like, oh, I'm not doing it again. But it's like, dude, if this is your reaction to being called a cult, then something's wrong instead of, being explaining why you're not like a cult mm-hmm. it goes just more into these people are giving up their lives they're giving up their homes there's no holidays there's no friends outside this place this you're is your working life. from eight to midnight you're living you have, on the grounds most you of have time. no name you can't even use your real name he's giving them fake names mm. <laughs> and backstories and you're living on the grounds so you can't go like separate yourself from this place and be like oh like when i come home i you know change out of my clothes into bummy clothes and i'm like oh great i don't have to be you know the nice person from customer service anymore because mm-hmm. this house i'm going to be rude to you plus there's this you know that like uh, kudos to that joke. that woman who uh spoke up and you yeah. know who was the former, oh, yeah. a former worker there um you know and uh I'm sad, like, hopefully, I mean, they never uh, say, because I think they wanted to leave it ambiguous, but hopefully she didn't sleep with Doc Antle. And, um, and no, she said she didn't. She okay. didn't. She wanted to, though. She felt 
She thought about it. Yeah, because she, she thought, said she about, thought it about it. Because it's almost like you get into this inner circle. You get placed above the other women. And she's like, I've seen girls do it. And they become even more obsessed. And he had like an obsession with the virgins too, which is another disturbing thing. Um, he was saying about this purity thing. Go on. Yeah. She was saying how she got um, breast implants because she wanted the rest, like, because other otherwise you weren't getting any rest. And she was kind of forced into doing it. She said she didn't remember um, th- having a conversation like, yeah, I'll do this. She was just handed the papers, like, sign this, and you're off to the... Yeah, she was like, all the appointments were made. She's like, and then I was kind of like, yeah, if I get to rest a few days, that's fine. Which I kind of get, like, there are times where I'm like, I kind of just want to be sick so I can stay at home and it feels justified, which is awful thought process. I really shouldn't do that. I should take time off when I need to take time off. But that's beside the point. The fact that she was going through a major cosmetic surgery just to get a few extra days and not be, you know, hand uh, hounded about it is just insane. Mm-hmm. I will say... Um... The only relationship that seemed healthy but in an unhealthy way was uh, Carol and her husbands. Because, man, if that man don't have her back, I mean, he is just, like, husband of the year. Every, anything I mean, you want to do, he is down for it. He is well, either that or he's, he's going to disappear, too. Yeah, or, <laughs> or, or she has stuff on him, so he's, not, he's, he's afraid to leave or, or else – it seems like genuine I, love. Like he was just legitimately like, it, like uh, maybe he's in a I, spell or something. Although but. one of the one of the last scenes when he was singing, that was cringy, cringy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That should never happen again. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the only healthy relationship was between Joe Exotic and Carol. Because no, no, no. Hear me out. Because it made them better. It made them better. It made like, them work harder. Did it? Which it made them work harder against each other and try to create a better, you know, place than they had. Because it didn't to... make them better businesses. Well, not maybe Carol's, but not Joe. Yeah, it did make Joe's better too. It made them more financially. Um, uh, it made them financially better. I believe in a healthy relationship. You should challenge each other, and you should make each other better and make each other go further than you were before. And it's awful to say, and I still think they're terrible people, and I think they both belong in jail. Um, they actually got so much energy off each other. I mean, because she wasn't even mad when uh, Joe Exotic made that single about her killing her husband. To be fair, she kind of had this monotone voice the entire time. Like, regardless of what she was talking about, she was like, oh, yes, and then this happened, and then he... Yeah, I got his... Got a doll of in the mail. I do wonder if Carol is, like, is... Because she did have... Yeah, she did tendencies that made it seem like she was a sociopath. But that's not fair. I have a natural mind. It's not fair because we don't know much about her. That's why I'm not just going to come out and say that she is. I think she, I think um, she is a killer. Um, I'll say it. Like, I have a monotone voice. I have a voice that straight up sounds like I could be a serial killer when I don't raise my um, octaves. octaves. Uh, and I allow no affliction to my voice. My natural voice early in the morning straight up sounds like, you know, I just murdered somebody. I make people nervous with it too. My deadpan jokes sometimes. You guys are used to it. I don't think either of you notice it anymore. 
when I make just these straight jokes where it's like, oh my God, is she joking? Is she not joking? Jokes now. because you I make those jokes all time. the time, Alex. <laughs> yeah, but I can, we can tell when you, because you usually have a smile on your face. That That's true. But I mean, I don't know. Can you frown? Yeah. I can. I just don't. <laughs> I don't First, think Jonathan can frown either. <laughs> two people who can't frown. That is not a frown. That's a straight line in contempt. I can frown now because I'm like smiling too much right now. But but anyway, uh, I think that's weirdly the only healthy relationship because they benefited off each other. He, her husband, her second, her third, third husband actually, seemed more like compliant to her and more like, well, I've seen what happened with the first one. I've seen what happened with the second one because the first well, one. Well, the first one was abusive to her and he's probably fine. You know, oh, he's probably living well, his life. we don't know that. I mean, we don't know that, but I'm assuming he probably, like, she probably left him alone and he just went on with about his business. Yeah, but the way she started, fine. You, you know what? You, you're absolutely right. We don't know what uh, what's going on with the first one. And he was abusive. But, I mean, the second relationship did start with him picking up a strange child. Mm-hmm. She was only 20 and he was in his 40s. And handing her a gun and being like, let's chat. You can hold the gun on me. Like, Yeah, that was a weird scenario in and of itself. Why are you? What? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what is going on? That one, you have a gun in the front seat. Two, why is she getting in a car with a gun in the front seat? And three, again, why is there a gun at all? And even if he's like, oh, you can point it at me. I just want to, you know, just want to like, want to give you a ride. Okay, but in my mind, I'd be like, yeah, but what proof is there that A, it's loaded, and B, <laughs> it would even fire, even if, I should, even if I tried to shoot you? I still don't trust that at all. In fact, I trust you even less. I'm, I'm good. I'm like, a walk. To me, to me, that was like a scene out of a movie. She was describing a scene that she saw. Wait, what? In an 80s That's movie. why it was the first episode with a reenactment in it, because it is like a movie. <laughs> that is true. It was one of the first scenes where they like showed something that wasn't in a past video or something because it was like, well, I think we have to act it out for you to really believe it. And it's like, holy crap. That's why I said, like, uh, you're right, Jonathan. You said, like, if you pitch this to somebody, it would make no sense because how do you explain it? It's like, okay, then there's a scene, right? It's a flashback. And in the flashback, the uh, Carol character is younger and she's walking down the street and then this random guy pulls up and he wants to take her out. It's like, okay. And then when she says no, he comes again with a gun on the seat and tells her that she can, uh, you know, hold him at gunpoint. Okay, but why? I don't know, man. Look, look just let me tell my story. Okay, how about that? <laughs> it makes no sense. This whole scenario, her life, Joe's life, all these people don't make it's any sense. It's such a disaster. That's why we enjoy watching it. It's literally, that's how everybody has been describing it in a train wreck. I think it's insane that people are trying to free Joe. And I don't. I heard that I, was like a GoFundMe or something. Maybe Cardi B was involved in that. I think. Why Cardi B? No, I don't. I don't understand Cardi B. I genuinely don't. Hold and on, that's also, that's a whole other podcast. I also <laughs> don't like her music. I won't lie. I don't like Cardi B's music. I don't understand her, and I can't understand her people's like desire to watch her but then again i like her i i don't mind uh, I think she's funny. her I, as a person i think it's just, her music isn't that much for me but i recognize the talent 
Like, I have see, you seen I her see Corona? Things. Sorry, this is. This oh is yeah, no, I, everybody has seen the coronavirus one where she's just screaming, <laughs> coronavirus. She's like, yeah. I'm scared. That's in every TikTok. That's in every like video now. Anytime somebody talks about the coronavirus, it's her yelling, Ah-ha! coronavirus, coronavirus. Uh, not only that, she does the ha ha laugh, which yeah. is like, what is that? Uh, before we go, because we've been going for yeah, we probably wrap for up. a minute. I just wanted to last thing I wanted to talk about is because I uh, when I was watching this video, I was like, I know the name Joe Exotic, but I don't know how I know it. And then they showed that John Oliver clip where he was talking about Joe Exotic running for president. And I remembered I was like, that's how I know him because I remember he was running for president. What did you guys think once you got to see the insides and outs of his actual campaign to run for president? Well, first I was like, why is this episode titled Make America Exotic Again? And then I realized why it was called that. Um, it was it was kind of, it, it added to, it was kind of like a, a, a light episode. It was a humorous episode after all the drama that we had witnessed and all the murder and, well, murder and um, death and stuff. Uh, it, 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 was, it was a light relief and it was humorous to see him run for president um and the people who were interviewed were right i think he was just running for the publicity of it all he he did he knew he didn't have a chance and he knew that he wouldn't be taken seriously but if it can get him some more views then so be it and then for governor yeah i think that's the one thing about joe exotic he knew how to catch people's attention but for that i think his like campaign and all that stuff was just again the stereotype of that crazy person running that you see in shows and movies and stuff like that. You're like, oh my God, there's that like really, really conservative person. There's a really, really liberal person. And it's just like, this makes no sense what is going on in like TV shows sales when they have that ridiculous person running. <laughs> we did have a ridiculous person running and they want What's crazy is, yeah, despite what people might think about Trump, the one person we most definitely did not want as president was Joe Exotic. <laughs> he would have been 10 times worse. I don't, well, I won't lie. The <laughs> laws and the trans laws probably would have been more secure. Sure. But I mean, even then, who knows what would have happened? It would have been just madness in the White House. I think the environmental laws and the animal laws would have definitely been abolished. But like, I think the LGBT uh, protection laws would have stayed. Uh, Plus, no offense, I, if he got further in the race, women wouldn't have his vote because, or, or he wouldn't have the women vote just because of all the stuff he said about Carol Baskin. I think that would just automatically cut that down. I don't know. I'm not gonna lie. I don't I think, think a that lot of women online uh, being like, "Carol, you need to get your comeuppance." <laughs> okay, we all saw the women who voted for Trump. There are women who'd vote for the crazy. Ah, that's true. And honestly, if you're protecting the LGBT community, you're trying to help uh, homeless and trying to help some convicts, you know, who are just down on their luck, who are low time offenders, or, you know, have that strike to their name where they haven't really done any aggressive, you know, crimes like people who have been in prison for, you know, weed charges, maybe like B&Es, and you're trying to help them find jobs. Um, I still, again, he did not pay them living wages. You know, he lived, you know, let them live in like crappy situations. But like in that retrospect, I would give you my vote compared to like somebody who's just Trump. I wouldn't vote for him. I don't care. I'm not, <laughs> he's, I don't trust him. And rightfully so. <laughs> Trump against 
Exo- Joe Exotic. Well, Joe Exotic against Joe Exotic. I'm I'm voting Trump. I, oh. <laughs> I can't trust it. Oh. Trump, Trump is the misogynist. I know. Joe Exotic is unpredictable in okay, every I'll, way. I'll, I'll, let's, oh, okay, no, I'll, I'll move away from this. This is another. This is a whole no, other. I'm just saying. When this camera's off, we're coming back to this room. (laughs) Sure. We got got topics to have. Um, I'm just saying. Against that man, don't trust him. (laughs) So overall, overall, um, do you think you would watch a a part two of this to to close out the thought? Like closing thoughts and would you watch watch a part two? Um, Let's go to Alex first. I can't say I would watch a part two on my own, but if somebody put it on or, or if this happens again where everybody's like, oh my God, I'm making all these inside jokes, I think I would watch it, mm-hmm. but not be like, oh, it's out. I need to watch it now. I made me wear, more wary of white people. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I thought it brought out a lot of stereotypes. And every, there was never ever a clear-cut hero or bad villain. All of them were terrible. And I can't stand the exploitation of animals. So this documentary kind of hurt for me to watch because I'm so against like zoos and aquariums unless they're, you know, helping. Um, I'm a really big person and not going to those locations unless I know more about the institution of it. So, no. How about you, Jerome? Uh, I I wouldn't watch a season two because I feel like the only reason season one works so well is that you have all these eccentric characters and stuff for me the the documentary started to get to drag a little bit for me once it got near the end where everything started becoming a lot more normal where it's like now we're just in a normal basic true crime you know he said she said type situation as opposed to like the crazy backstories of all these different characters and how their um zoos are run and everything like that um so I don't know if I'd watch a second season. I think if, if that was the set, the um, the seller, which is like selling point is that, hey, Joe Exotic's back and he's out of jail and he's crazy or or whatever the case may be, maybe. But even then, I feel like this, I feel like, honestly, I feel like this story is done. I feel like this is like, like, well, in real life, of course, you know, there's more to come and I'm sure there'll be more stuff going on with this case. Um, as far as the documentary, we have all the information We've seen the story from beginning, middle, and end. I think it. it I think it's done as is. Um, that being said, the with the season we have now, although it was a good docu series, I think it was very good at showing all aspects of all these people, both the good and the bad. Um, you know, and that and left it up to the audience to decide what that is when when you say the good and the bad whether they're well you think they're all bad or you think one person was good and the other two were bad or or whoever um it did a good job of just doing what most all documentaries i feel like should do which is not pick a side but just present the information to you and let you as an audience member decide who's wrong who's right so on and so forth mm-hmm. that's fair what about you jonathan for me I think the appeal of this initial um, series was that barely anybody like knew about the story. I had no idea who any of these people were. I didn't know what went on with the situation. Granted, they did have like a lot of followers on social media and stuff, but I doubt anybody really knew the intricacies of what actually went on. 
and to watch it and find out that all these crazy things have happened and all these weird and different relationships were going on. I think that's what really drew people in and it started spreading like wildfire, like Netflix shows naturally do. Um, but if they did a second season or second series or whatever, um, I think I would only watch it um, if it was like a few years down the line and a whole bunch of drama and stuff happened and or were resurfaced, like they convicted Carol of like killing her husband and they found out that she did it and, or like, just, I don't know, Joe broke out of jail and got a fourth husband in jail or something and <laughs> all these crazy Crazy. So basically anything adding to the story more. Right. If they, were, to watch it. if they were to just do a, a second series that was like, oh, what you may have missed in the first part or or um, footage that we didn't show in the first part, I don't I, I don't I think I would watch it because it would they would just be grasping at straws at that point for me. Um, so, yeah. And if we you know, if we like if everyone was talking about it, then you know, I'd have to jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. I will say this, and I think another reason uh, this became so popular, because this came out basically right after the trials of Gabriel Hernandez, mm -hmm. and everybody was watching that. So this, like you were right, Jerome, it is very campy in its filming and very, like, goofy sometimes mm -hmm. as well in what it is the information, the way the information was being presented to us by cutting in constantly Joe's music videos. Yeah. Showing these adorable tigers all the time. I think it really was a, basically a way to present a serious topic with a sense of light, especially right after uh, the Gabriel Hernandez, the trials of Gabriel Hernandez, and them trying to be like, ooh, we kind of really made the whole world depressed. We need something a little more. Fun, but the documentaries do so well on Netflix, they're like, we should make a campy one. And that's how you're hearing it is. So. Well, that's our review slash recap of Tiger King. Um, where can we find everyone at on social media, that is? Jerome? Uh, you can find me at not Jerome Rett on Instagram, as always. I'm at living my okayest life on Instagram. Basically, I'm usually just there. <laughs> and I'm at Jonathan Keys everywhere, wherever you want to find me. Um, you can find us at Behind the Usher Station um, on where Instagram, Instagram, um, Gmail, YouTube. Gmail. You can uh, email us behind the usher station at gmail.com. Um, we'd appreciate your feedback. We'd appreciate your emails. Chat with us about this crazy show. Um, We're also on TikTok now, but mainly I just play with that account. <laughs> <laughs> at Behind the Usher Station on TikTok. Um, find us at Twitter, on Twitter, at Usher Station Pod. Um, and we hope you enjoyed this recap, and we hope you're enjoying quarantine wherever you're at. Um, or you're, maybe you're listening to us at work. Who knows? Um, so, yeah. Yep. Stay healthy, guys. Thanks for watching, if you watch this on YouTube. And we will see you all later.